Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to another podcast of Power, Strength and Vulnerability. I'm your host, Shane Kelton, and today I have my fiance back. Uh, we're still we're still in one piece, haven't killed each other yet, so that's good signs. Um, and today we're going to be talking about something that's really... It's going to be tough for Alicia to get through. Uh, we're going to be talking about the passing of her dad. Kevin, how are you today, Alicia? I'm good, Shane. How are you? You're not really that good, are you? <laughs> That's one of the most awkward laughs I've ever heard in my uh, life. I, I am a little bit anxious about this podcast, but um, yeah, no, it's, it'll be good to talk about it, but it'll be hard at the same time. Um, so we've got Alicia, who's going to talk about her dad, Kevin, today, and um basically we're going to touch on the death and how mentally you got through it and what mentally you do now to get through it and um obviously I haven't had a parent pass away so I'm going to be asking some questions and um, I guess I just want to put out to you listening out there um I hope none of my questions come across offensive to you Alicia but to anyone out there who may have gone through someone passing away it's not something that I'm I'm very fortunate I haven't had anyone severely close to me pass away so um I'll try to answer ask the questions as politely and I guess um what's the word being considerate as as considerate as I can um I'd also like to get the point across um in certain aspects as well so I do apologize in advance if I do step over the mark um I'll try not to I'll try my best not to but I do want to help the audience as well gather as much information as possible so um how old are you now I do know <laughs> but it's still gonna <laughs> think about um I'm 34 now 34 now so when did your dad pass away um he passed away seven years ago so in 2012 May 17th you 27 yes <laughs> how's my going I'm all over it today yeah. um so it's going to be obviously pretty emotional from Alicia today, but we're, we're going to pretty much do this unedited. So there might be some tears, there might be some swearing, there could be a bit of everything today, I reckon. <laughs> it could be one of those ones. Um, but we want you to capture how real this is out there. So um, what did your dad pass away of? Um, he passed away from pancreatic cancer. Um, so I've obviously spoken a little bit to you about it and your mum and stuff like that. It was a pretty sudden death. Um... Not really in the end. Um, he survived with pancreatic cancer for two years. Um, and for anyone that knows anything about, about pancreatic cancer, it's a death, it's, sorry, it's a cancer that can, um, kill people quite quickly. Um, but dad was fortunate enough. Um, he was diagnosed in 2010, um, basically in May 2010. So, um, and well, whilst mum and dad were overseas, he wasn't well. And so when he came back, that's when he got diagnosed with it. So had it for two years. So I suppose I was fortunate enough to have those still two years with my dad because it can be, um, yeah, quite a deadly cancer as soon as the people have got it. Um, we'll, we'll touch on the cancer. And if you can hear the dogs, it's the dogs barking out in the backyard. Um, Kevin's probably out there stirring him up <laughs> deliberately. Um, I reckon he's the ghost in the house, by the way. <laughs> do we have a ghost in the house? Oh, yeah, we do. Sorry, I haven't told you that. Um, so I want you to talk a little bit about um, some memories of your dad growing up. Firstly, like those early years, what do you remember? Um, who was he to you? I mean, apart from your dad, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, dad was... That was one of my role models in a weird way because well, it definitely wasn't health. From what <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't in health wise. Like he it wasn't a netball. <laughs> he he was he was an obese man, and he didn't like exercise. So you kind of look at that and go, "How is he a role model to me?" But he was always someone who was a very strong person in what he believed in and what he wanted and what he stood up for. So I kind of got my stubbornness from my father um because that's what I admired in him is that he was like this is what I believe in and I'm sticking to my guns in in some way so I'd like that's where I get my stubbornness from oh, Shane so I get my stubbornness from my mum <laughs> and you've seen my grandma she's just as stubborn yeah. is this why we fought like cat and dog yeah. all the time yeah I think so so we can blame our parents we can blame parents so, yeah 
Um, yeah, so that was one thing I did admire about my dad. Um, he was also, as much as it caused some rift between my parents, um, he was a hard worker. Like he would be, you know, at work early in the morning with the pool business and he wouldn't be home till late because he just cared so much about working and providing for the family. Um, he was that traditional man who was, I'm the man of the house and I need to provide for my family. Mum worked, but she didn't work full time and he wanted to be that person who did provide for us. Would he have have prepared your mum almost not to work? Yeah, because he, you know, that was just, I don't know, the way they grew up. And obviously in that era, that's how it was back then. Um, He was also someone, as yeah, he was a hard worker, as I said. And, you know, during the weekends, like he would be out in the garden from like, I don't know, nine in the morning on a Sunday and he would be out there till dark and it's like, Dad, it's time to come back inside. But he was just someone who was such a hard worker. He was such a perfectionist and that's where I've got all that from as well. Um, like he just wanted to get things done and he wanted the garden to be so perfect and he, it's because he cared so much about the house and the environment that his family was growing up in. Um, he wanted the best environment and the best housing as far as for his family. What's some other memories of, that you have of him? Um, Dad was a mad sports person. Um, so Dad would take us to the footy all the time. Um, what was the ritual at the footy? <laughs> um, our ritual was at the, uh, sorry, our ritual at the footy was if Melbourne won, we would get hot jam donuts. And my brother and I continue with that. And now. Um, Shane and I have kind of continued, Try to, yeah. have tried to continue with that as well. Um, look back in the early days, we didn't get very many jam donuts. <laughs> we haven't this year either. <laughs> and still not now. Last year we did, but, um, yeah, that was something that just, you know, we'd lo- love to do is just go to the footy together. And he was a mad, ma- mad Melbourne supporter. But also go to like Melbourne Storm games together. Um, he just loved his sport. And I think that's where I, you know, my family is a very sport-driven family, so I love that about them and that was passed down onto me. Um, other memories I've got of Dad, I suppose the one that's going to get me a little emotional, um, he was always proud of me and always loved coming and watching me play netball. Um, I remember the last game he came and watched me play and he was just always so proud of, even if when I played shit, he would always pump me up. And I just remember the last game, I knew that would be like the last game he would come and watch me play. Um, and he was just so proud of me and he just didn't want to miss it whatsoever. And he just loved being there and supporting um, his children while they were playing sport. And I remember also in younger years when netball tournaments, he would always come along on the Sundays and be there like from 10 a.m. till like 4 in the afternoon just supporting um, me during my sporting days. So... Yeah, that were, that was some special moments. Um, I suppose there's one other special moment I've got of Dad, which I spoke about at the funeral, which was really hard. Um, back when I was younger, um, oh, I shouldn't just say I'm younger. I was obsessed with the Melbourne players, and <laughs> she still loves Jesse Hogan. <laughs> um, we went to it was Waverley Park back then, um, and the VFL Grand Final was getting played at Waverley Park and Melbourne's VFL team was in the grand final and just sitting to the left of us was all the Melbourne players. And I like, dad and I look, looked over and I'm like, oh my God, look, they're all over there. And like, I would have been in my teens, um, let's say probably 15, 16. And I was just like, you know, this giddy, little, giddy I, I was a giddy little school girl. And dad's like, oh, go over to him. I'm like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. And so dad came over with me with my jumper that I had. Um, and he asked David Neitz at that time, he was the captain and he said, can you get all the players to sign my jumper for my daughter? Um, and that's one thing that I will treasure for the rest of my life because I was too, I was too scared to go do it myself, but my dad would walk me, you know, he took me over and did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. You speak about, um, He's a mad Melbourne supporter. We obviously lived in the house for a while and there's a lot of Melbourne stuff. Um, there's a lot of Melbourne footies in there. <laughs> uh, but he also loved car collecting. He did. Um, there's lots of cars there as well. So he loved his, he loved his Ford. 
He loved his Ford. He had um, a yellow Ford. I don't even know how old, what year it was, like, I don't know, maybe 1980-something. I don't know, 1990s, maybe. I don't know. But it was something that was his passion. Like, he wanted, he loved that car, and it would sit in our garage, though, and Dad would pay Reggio on it. He would pay insurance on it, and it got driven nowhere. <laughs> but he was, he always loved it. He would wash it and everything. And um, after Dad actually passed away, we actually drove, in that car to the funeral um, in Dad's memory. He probably would have been annoyed that he actually <laughs> drove the car. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, we eventually sold it. Um, but, yeah, he loved his board. Like um, the back room at our house um, is just absolutely full of cars. They're all in their boxes because if you take them out of their boxes, they lose their value. Um, so, but then there's cars that are in this glass cabinet. Oh, it's ridiculous how many cars there is. And that's, was that where he watched Bathurst and stuff? He did. He would have room. his Bathurst um, afternoons. My brother's mates would come over. They didn't give two shits really about the um, the car race, and they just cared about drinking with Dad. <laughs> like he was actually he was quite fun to drink with. Um, and so the boys would like stir him up and try and get him pissed and all that. We'll try and get him on the Uzo as well. So they just all they cared about was the free booze and free food. So. And he would Don't, have been happy to have He <laughs> was absolutely loving being the host and having them all around doing it. Um, how long were you mum and him together? Oh. I'll test your memory. <laughs> um, so you're 34, him's 37. I would say probably around 30 years. Because I, I remember giving mum a 25-year anniversary frame. So yeah, maybe no, it's between twenty five and thirty years. Yeah, it's between twenty five and thirty. Because if dad, mum, if my brother's thirty seven, dad's been gone for seven years. So yes, maybe it's around thirty years. So like the reason I guess I asked a lot of those questions is because I think personally, uh, I think we don't talk about people who have passed enough because we're scared of talking about them because we don't upset the person that's gone through it. But you like talking about it, don't you? Yeah, I do like talking about my dad. It's as hard as it is emotionally sometimes. Yeah. Um, reflecting on those memories, those good memories, uh, is good for you, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, – and that's what I've – I know we'll touch on this later, but I think that's what I've got to try and deal with better in when it does come to his anniversary or times is start thinking more about those positive memories – um, because yeah, like, you know, I was just laughing before uh, talking about moments that I had with dad. So, um, yeah, there's so many positive memories and loving memories that I've got of my dad. It's 27 years. Yeah. Of good memories. Yeah. With him. So yeah. it's a lot more good than bad. And we will talk about, I guess, the bad. Yeah. Um, soon, very shortly. Um, probably now. <laughs> um, so your dad was still working when he got diagnosed. I know they were, I know yep. your mum was overseas. Yeah, they were still working with the family pool business. And he, he probably wouldn't have had an end date with that. No, no. <laughs> it would have been work till I dropped. No, and it's exact so same as out. my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's within that blood over that side, or well, even though that different side of the families, but yeah, well, that's so your mum's caught that gene and he Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. He was he would have worked until yeah, he dropped dead, seriously. And well so what happened? What was the first thing that you remember? And then we'll talk about what happened overseas. What was the first thing you were told? Um, okay. Because I know your parents probably wanted to protect you a little bit early at the start. Yeah. Um, so I remember the, conversa I, the conversation was via a phone call. Um, I remember I was in Anaconda doing some shopping and I got a phone call from my mum saying that she was at a hospital with dad and that he'd been diagnosed with cancer. And hearing those words over the phone was absolutely heartbreaking. And I had no one around me at that, obviously at that point, because I was at the shops by myself. And I just remember dropping to the ground and just kind of in shock and in tears at the same time and just kind of trying to get out of mum where she was so I could go be with them straight away. Did she tell you? Yeah, I think I not I don't remember too much more after that. Um I'm pretty sure she did because I'm pretty sure I went were like I went there straight away. Um but a lot of that that after that I kinda of was a little bit of a blur. Did you even know they were going to hospital or anything? Or was it No, I had nothing? no idea. I had no idea. 
Um, and that was obviously, well, it was probably more them going, oh, it's probably precautionary, but at the same time, let's protect our children. Yeah. In case some, nothing is wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess there's no right or wrong way to find out about a, a death. Would you have rather have waited till you got home or until, until you saw them, or is it something that it doesn't matter? No, like, well, I, didn't, I know, it's, it didn't really bother me that, like, they waited until they'd been at the hospital, I suppose. Um, yeah, it was... It just is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, yeah, I wasn't angry or anything that they didn't tell me that they were going to the hospital or anything. Um, yeah, that um, didn't bother me. Did you call Andy? But Andy is your ex-husband? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming I did. I, as said, I don't really remember too much of that time between... At, from Anaconda going to the hospital. I'm, like, I'm a gathered I would have and would have gone together to go see him. At the hospital, what was that like for you? What were the conversations going on in the room? Um, was there timelines, like, linked to this? Yeah, I suppose we were trying to figure out, like, what what's going on? Like, what's how serious is it? Like, can surgery get done? Can it be removed? Um, what what are the, all the next steps in process of, like, does chemo get done? Um so we were trying to just like find out as much information as would from the doctors and surgeons at that point in time and but that point in time I believe dad went in had gone in for a surgery so we're waiting for dad to come out from a surgery um at that point in time I can't remember what the surgery was if it was just testing it or if they were doing um a biopsy or anything but they I know dad was in surgery when I kind of got there and then was just waiting of a waiting game and then he kind of got yeah dismissed from hospital um how is he he's, he's very stubborn he's very, he was very, his, yeah loves to protect his family yeah man's man he he was like no nah, I'm, I'm all i'm all good like he was fighting like he didn't really believe this was the thing that was going to kill him yeah um it wasn't until a lot later down the track that he finally gave into it um, so he was someone who's like, no, nah, you know, whatever this is. I'll not, beat it. I'll beat it. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. So he was saying. Did you know the odds um, at that stage? I'm sure like, yeah, we would have known the odds at that stage. I'm sure dad would have known the odds as well. Um, but he was just like, no, nah, it's not, you know, it's not, not going to kill me. So the odds like, for pancreatic cancer, 1% will last five years. Yeah. It's not very high. And that hasn't changed in 30 years. <laughs> mm. So we obviously did a bit of research a couple of months ago and it's the, the only one apart from brain cancer, maybe, I may be incorrect there, but there's only two cancers which haven't improved the percentage yeah, rate in the right. last 25 years, 30 years. Every other one, the percentage has increased quite significantly over the last 20 years, percentage-wise, of survival rate past five years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is one that does take the person very, very quickly. Um now, since since that all it got diagnosed and all of that, what was it your mum shared? Like, obviously, your dad was overseas. Your parents were overseas. Yeah. What happened over there? Because that's where it first came. Yeah, out. that's where it all kind of happened. Um, they were over in uh, Europe, um, and I think it was their last bit of the trip. They're in Turkey, and dad started just feeling tired more so than usual. Um, like, as being an overweight person, he did get tired quite quickly anyway when mum would take him for walks and he'd complain. But. Probably wasn't tired. He's still more <laughs> Probably. Well, that's what I do. I complain. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was starting to get more tired than usual. And the biggest factor that mum noticed and that dad noticed was he was starting to turn yellow. So, as the technical term, so he was getting jaundice. Um, and they're like, hey, this doesn't look all right. There's something not right here. It's not from The Simpsons. No, it's not from <laughs> The Simpsons. Um, but so this it was at the end of their trip. I think it would have been with, you know, less than a week to go. Um, so fortunately, they were able to finish their trip together. Um, and then he came back home, and that's when they obviously went to the hospital to start getting tests done to find out what actually was wrong. Why was he yellow? Why was he fatigued? And that. Yeah, and they got the answer pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, what was the next 12 months like? Um, so, two years, what was the first half half of that like? Um, oh, it was, Dad just, they, they were trying to tell Dad to um, change his diet. So, Dad also got diabetes at the same time. 
Um, he probably had that. Probably had it, yeah, probably before that because his diet was disgusting um, in that it was just so high in sugar. Like he he loved his lollies and he – that's where obviously he got that from. And so the doctors were trying to tell him to change his diet to try and help – with the cancer and also his his diabetic condition. Um, They also were trying to tell him to go out and exercise. But dad was like, I'm a laborer. I would do enough exercise as it is. I don't need to do any more exercise. Um, And so this is where his stubbornness was really kicking in. And this was where it was really hard for mum and also us kids because we were like, dad, you need to make changes or else you're going to die at an earlier age than expected. Yeah. Um, and so it was hard to watch mum because mum was trying so hard um, to help to make him change, but he wouldn't do it. And, like, we kept saying, you know, do you know, the, you know, if you keep going down this pathway, you could start to lose limbs with di- diabetes, etc. And um, he's just like, no, 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 worry. He just kept having that thought in his head, Stop, no, nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah. So I'm not going to – I don't need to worry about changing. Yeah. Um, but then every now and again, like, he – I remember once a couple of times he started this walking at night time. He'd walk the dog at night time. Um, so he did start doing some walking. He did start to eat healthy at some points. Um, I think that's when things started to hit him that maybe he actually does need to start doing some stuff. Yeah. But it did take him a while for that, you know, for those things to change. Well, that was hard. hard. It's hard to – how old was he when he passed away? Uh, testing me here. Oh, I am. <laughs> um, he was born in 1950 and so – So he was 62. He was 62, yeah. Yeah. So – He's got 50 years of bad habits. Yeah. <laughs> very, very hard to yeah. change. Yes. And I guess that's why you're, you love doing what you're doing now yeah. because you want to help people before they get to that point. Yeah, where, exactly right. Where they're forced to change. Yeah. No yeah. one, because it is extremely, the harder, the longer you leave something, the harder it is to change. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your reason for changing is, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. And you would have seen it firsthand with him. Yeah, I was witness to it, so. He, he wanted to change and he wanted to change through his, the biggest reason in his life was his two kids and yeah. um, possible future grandkids and um, his wife, but the habits itself were too strong. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's hard for you to hear that. It is because it's hard to know whether or not he could have been with us for longer if he had made those changes. Um, you know, mum always believes that, you know, dad, you know, exercised and ate healthier at an earlier age, like, you know, things might have been different. I don't know, but maybe got another two or three years out, which yeah. which is massive because he would have met Harry. Yeah, yeah. Um, his first grandson. Yeah, that's a bit. That's even got me a little bit emotional there. Yeah. Um, and that is, I guess, that's the hard thing about it is seeing Harry, knowing that, and Vivian, and Alice, and Alice, <laughs> um, and knowing that they've just got these memories. So yeah, and that's another reason why. I guess I wanted to speak about who he was as a man because it's something that, you know, grandkids, our grandkids um, in the future will be telling them as well. Um, they'll want to know who he was and, um, you know, they'll want to know why, um, I guess, why he went for Melbourne and they go for Collingwood. <laughs> like, we'll be like, well, kids, Collingwood. <laughs> and your dad's probably looking above, knowing that you're in a. Kid. I know. I've got. I have just realised I've got a Collingwood mug in front of me <laughs> that Shane's given me. I set that up very beautifully. Yeah, you have. Um, so were you given the time in that second half of the? I guess that period, like leading into his death, were you given a timeline at all? Um, or was it? Yeah, I think. Look, there was a couple of surgeries. We didn't even know if he was going to survive. So I remember one quite vividly. Um, but before Dad even left the house, we actually said goodbye to him um, because this so this was a surgery that was going to hopefully remove the cancer. But to remove the cancer, um, it was a 10% chance of actually removing it and then it was going to be a 50% chance of him actually surviving the surgery. And so that morning we actually said goodbye to Dad because we didn't know he was ever going to wake up from it. Um, that was one of the hardest days just sitting at home because the doctors just said stay at home, don't be in the hospital, you should be more comfortable at home. Um, and so I just remember sitting at home and trying, we're trying to keep each other distracted. Um, and then every time the phone would ring, we're just like, hold, you know, is it, is yeah, it doctors? That's, um, that's the 
final call. Yeah, and so then when the phone actually did ring, um, it was the doctor's, and so it was later at night, I remember, um, and the doctor actually rang, and well, I can't remember if it was the surgeon that rang or not, but whoever was on the phone said, your father's survived the surgery and we've actually removed the cancer. And mum and I just, we, I just remember as we just burst into tears um, because we were just so happy of, because we just didn't think that was going to be the outcome. And so like we drove straight into the hospital to see dad um, and it was just the best news knowing that dad had survived that cancer, that surgery. Um, but then unfortunately, as cancer does, even though with chemotherapy that he had, um, it did come back. And once it did come back, they did say that, there was not going to be a chance of removing it again. Um, and so I suppose then we were given time frames at that point of how long he would have with us. Yeah. Um, Knowing those time frames were then put in place, did life change? Um, did he continue to work? He did. Oh, he didn't work as much because the chemo was really affected him. Um, he started to do a few things that he, like, tick off his bucket list. Um, I remember we actually went to sand sand down with him. Um, you you look disgusted. <laughs> it must have been riveting for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, Mum, you know, I remember all of us went and we were just like, we're doing this for Dad. We're doing this for Dad. <laughs> and it was, uh, I don't know why people, I don't know why people enjoy it, but Dad loved it. He loved having us there with him um, to experience it. Um, so I remember that was one of the things he wanted to share that moment with his family. So he started to do things, of, yeah, off his bucket list. And, um, I suppose there were, um, dad, I think finally came to the realization that he was dying yeah. as well. Um, and I remember him sitting my brother and I down because we were all still in denial as well that this was going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Strong dad won't die. Yeah. Um, and I think because dad was so, you know, he was, we were watching him and we're like, nah, it's not going to kill him. Um, I remember, yeah, he sat down, my brother and I, and he just said, nah, this is it. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just kept saying to him, no, dad, it's not. Like, keep fighting, keep fighting. Um, it's not the end. Um, and like, I'd, I know my brother was trying to console me because he was like, he knew how hard it was for dad. And I just didn't want to believe that this was happening. Um, so he instinctively took over the dad role. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing to add to that. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He, Kim did because he knew obviously dad was really struggling and he, dad was struggling to see the way I was reacting. Um, and so he, yeah, he just kind of tried to console me because he knew how upset I was and yeah. I still wouldn't lose my dad. Um, after that conversation, how long was it until he passed? Um, only a few months later, I think. He passed in hospital? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, one thing like I've learned from what your mum's done for us is he had one regret. What was that regret? Did he have more than one regret? Don't <laughs> yeah. um, tell me, I have to tell the story. Uh, I don't know what regret you're talking about. That he didn't get to see the uh, kids... There you go. Keep going. So I was about to feed the Yeah, you do. That he didn't want to see. He wanted to see the kids spend the money. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Dad, um, he loved, He saved money. Like, um, and so did Mum. Like, they were always really well, good at saving money um, with their super and just all the time. Like, um, and so when Dad had passed away... Um, obviously all the will and everything got split up and there was quite a substantial amount of money left behind. And, um, yeah, dad's regret was that he, I suppose he wished he had given us the money when we're alive, um, for him to see us enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you were saying, like mum has, you know, is very, um, giving, giving in that regards in that she will do that because she knows Kim and I are going to get the money in the end yeah. um, and she would like to see us spend that money and not struggle through our lives if we are struggling she wants to help us out yeah um during those times as long as we're not all bludgers <laughs> no. she'll probably tell us to stick it <laughs> yeah um but 
you both you both you and both have got your know, parents work hard. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say genetics. It's just the way you brought up the values. The values yeah. that you, you've grown up with. Yeah, definitely. Um, how was the death? Oh. I mean, there's <laughs> there's obvious answers to that, but you know, everyone does react differently. Yeah. And uh. so, how was it for you and your family? Um. Oh. And there's no right or wrong. Unless- so hard. Um. Can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was fucking hard. Like it was something. So to talk you through what actually happened. Um. So we had Mother's Day at my house. Um. And we knew like that would be the last time Dad would probably be in the house. Um. He was quite unwell. And so that night, that was a Sunday afternoon night, and then mum and dad left, and we were just cleaning up the house and all ready to go to work Monday morning and get the phone call from mum. And mum has said, um, I've taken, we're taking dad to hospital. Um, he's not coming out this time. That's it. And I was just an absolute blubbering mess. I just, screamed in hysterics that this was actually happening. Um, and so then my partner at the time, Andy, called the school uh, because I couldn't even call the school to say this is what's happening. They knew my dad was unwell and they obviously knew that I could take as much time off. They, they gave me that time. Um, and so went into the hospital, into Box Hill on that. And at that stage, like, dad was still... You know, he was, he was okay. Like he was fine. Like you, you'd talk to him and he was fine. Um, and so he had some like tests done and all that. And he went into a room and then every day was just spent with dad throughout that week. And so each night I would kiss my dad goodbye and tell him how much I loved him. Um, because I didn't know if that was going to be the last time I would say that to him. And so every night come home and I'd be thinking, what happens if I go in tomorrow morning and he's dead already? Um, and each day he just deteriorated as we kept going in there. Um, I think the Wednesday night we had, we had a dog called Milo and dad wanted to see him. And so I brought him in on the Wednesday night or the maybe. Did you have to sneak him in a bag? (laughs) The hospital allowed us to bring him in, but we had to like sneak him past like, other rooms, so they didn't know ah. it was like getting done. So all, the hus- like, all of a sudden, a massive dog hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just this, like you know, a little Maltese poodle. Um, so he was a tiny little one. So I could have put him in my bag. I think it probably was. I don't know. Um, actually, I think that was Tuesday night. So we brought him in on a Tuesday night, and it's Milo was running around like crazy. But then you know, we know with animals' instincts, he knew there was something wrong with Dad, and he just sat on Dad's bed. And they just sat and cuddled together. And we, you know, to see Milo so settled so quickly, it was just because he knew, you know, something was wrong. That's quite scary. Yeah. Because dogs, we know animals. Yeah. Know straight away. They know yeah. before we do. Yeah. And so they, it, that was kind of sad seeing that. It was really special at the same time. Um, then once again, took him home, took Milo home, said goodbye, said, I love you. Wednesday came in, spent the day with him again. And then Wednesday night, um, he, his speech started to really deteriorate on the Wednesday. Um, he was like going in and out of consciousness. Um, and I think time Wednesday night, I don't think he responded to when I spoke to him. Um, the nurses still said, you know, still speak to him. He can still hear you. Um, so I think Wednesday night, I knew that was getting really close. It would actually help him. Um, then Thursday we came in and he wasn't conscious at all. Um, and he, his breathing was really weird. Um, and then it was like around lunchtime. Um, my mum and her best friend had gone off to the park. It was just really hard to sit there and watch him the way he was. Like he was... He was like he looked like a dead man already. Yeah. Um. And mum and her um, friend had gone off to the park, and my brother and I were in the room, 
um, and a nurse was in there as well. Um, and it was kind of making these gurgling noises and then some black stuff came up and the nurse said that he had passed. And knowing that my mum wasn't in the room was really hard. Um, so we called, my brother called her friend um, to get them back from the park. Um, and like they ran back um, because we knew, because obviously got told. Um, so we were all just in the room then with him. Um, and then the nurse just said, keep talking to him because, you know, there's still parts of him that you might be able to still able to hear you. So we just kept, the three of us were just talking to him and telling him how much we loved him. Um, but that was really hard for mum not being there when he actually did pass away. But do you think, I know he probably didn't have that much control, but do you think maybe that was, he, he went then because he didn't want her to see that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. In, they said, like, mum and her friends said um, something happened in the park um, just before we made the phone call. Like, some birds or something flew over um, and they just, and there's this breath of wind or something and they both said something, something's just happened. And so they kind of felt something, like, it's like mum felt something die inside of her. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, my brother made the phone call and, yeah, they came over. So it's like they had that gut feeling. Um, and so then it was a matter of the nurses said to us we could stay in the room for as long as we wanted. Um, and that was hard because then, you know, we, we wanted to stay with Dad. We didn't want to leave. Um, but I remember walking out of there was so hard because that was actually like, this is it. Yeah, we're not saying, coming back here. No, nah, we're saying goodbye to you now. Um, it was like a hollow, empty feeling. It was. It was I'm, like. I'm missing a leg. Yeah. Kind of thing. And because, like, we decorated his, like, the nurses said, like, let's make his room feel as comfortable as possible for him, like, in his last days. So we made his room, like, there was Ford flags, there was Melbourne flags up everywhere for him. Um, so it just felt like we were leaving our little home because that had been our home for the whole week. And we didn't, yeah. And so I remember we just went to um, a little lounge area that they set up for us and they had biscuits and tea there for us. And, and yeah, we we're just in there just with other family members just crying, just in, even though we knew it was happening, but still in disbelief that it, it had actually happened. Well, it's real. Yeah. You, you never, it doesn't matter what, what emotion you get. There's no emotion like it, it really happening. And that doesn't matter whether it's a death or, let's say, a premiership. You can go, oh, how good's a prem- winning a premiership? Like, I think back to the premierships. We both won. It's yeah. like, how good was it? But... Even thinking back, nothing can describe that feeling. No. In that period of time. That, when it actually happens, the yeah. good or the bad, nothing can be described. I mean, nothing can compare to that. No. And you can't, pre- you can't prepare for it either. Like, as much as we, as prepared as we were for it, it wasn't going to stop. Probably, probably did nothing no. <laughs> except make you feel better in the lead up yeah. to it all. Yeah. But. Like, we were still, yeah, the, the tears and the, you know, the uncontrollable screaming, like, tears from me, with like, they were always going to be there. It's just a matter of when they were going to happen. How are you for the next couple of months? Oh, um... How, I know you're grieving still. Yeah. But how long did it really take you to move past the fact that he was actually gone? You couldn't, you couldn't go into that room and... Say, Dad, I need you. And I know, I, look, I know there is still times where you do visit yeah. Dad at the cemetery and you yeah. talk to him and there is times where you, you probably go, Jane's being an absolute wanker. <laughs> Dad, I just need you to punch him in the nose. <laughs> but those, like, well, I shouldn't say you don't really want that to happen, but you probably do sometimes. I, speak, I, I say that to Dad every day. <laughs> <laughs> but nah. what, when, did it, when did it stop becoming that habit? To turn um, to him because he was the person you turned to. Yeah. Um, I, it was, it took a good, good, probably six months. I know that happened like in May. I know like that first whole, the rest of that year was really hard. Um, I think like, cause we knew obviously things were coming up and so like, would go to speak to dad about particular things like of events coming up or, you know, my birthday coming up. And so, Oh, this is first Father's uh, yeah, Day. Yeah, first Father's Day and all that. So, 
and all our events kind of happen in the, the second half of the year. So Father's, you know, my brother's birthday's in August and Father's Day's in September. My birthday's in October. Dad's birthday's in November. And so is mum and dad's anniversary yeah, and in Christmas. Christmas. So like every single month, there was always something. Um, then, so I think after that first year, things I suppose started to get a little bit easier because there weren't those particular things that we were doing things as family and, um, yeah, things that we needed him for. How was the first Father's Day? Um, I didn't want to do it. Um, didn't want to celebrate it at all because, like, I don't, I don't have a dad. So, um, I think we kind of, we were just together and we, we saw mum's dad. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was hard knowing that for the, every Father's Day from now on, I won't be celebrating Father's Day. And this is where I don't want to get myself into trouble because I've never been in that experience, but I've known people to get really resentful around Mother's Day or Father's Day if they've had that person pass. Um, yeah, yes, angry with how going to shopping centers and everything's about a certain day and radio is all about that and there's a, a huge deal about it. Yeah. And people get angry and get frustrated with the world, I guess, doing it. Like, was that how you were early on? Or was it still, for you, it was like, you know what, like, yes, my dad's passed, but other people still have the right to do this? Um, I suppose I've never been resentful or anything. Um, It just, I think, when I saw stuff in the shops for Father's Day stuff, it just got me really upset because I wouldn't be able to celebrate Father's Day with my dad. Um... And so, yeah, I was never resentful or angry at other people. I, I'd want to, I'd want to make sure that everyone else, like, would try and spend time with their fathers. Um, and I was happy, obviously, to go. I suppose that was hard for me with my partner at that time and spending Father's Day with his father. I didn't like doing that in some way because I was like, well, this isn't my dad. This doesn't feel right. I want, you know, so it's either, it was either don't do anything. Um, basically that was my kind of philosophy at that time because I didn't want to, I didn't want to celebrate it. I just wanted to be much, sad. Too, too much pain. Yeah. It was too, yeah, it was too hard to go through. So I just don't bother celebrating it. Um, you spoke about, um, your partner at the time. Yeah. How was he through it all? Um, he was great. Like he was really supportive, um, of me. Um, and like, yeah, would... What are some of the things that he did He did well? Like, because there's people out there that might want want to know that, and I think it's very important. Um, Like, he made, he said to me, like, um, you know, just take as much time off work as you need. Um, and, like, my school were very supportive of that as well. Um, so he didn't put the pressure on me to go back to work if I wasn't ready to go back. So he was very supportive in that sense. Um, he... Would always like if I wanted to go over to my mum's house and see her. Um, you know, he would be like, "Yep, yeah, let's go, let's go see your mum." He would be trying to encourage me to like, "Let's go over and see mum more." Yep. Um, because mum wasn't because mum was by herself. Yep. So he was really good in that way, that making sure that mum wasn't yeah alone a lot of the time. Um, I suppose just any time that I just needed, I either wanted time with him or if I needed just time by myself, he would. I would communicate that with him to make sure, you know, he knew. And he would accommodate. Yeah, and he would accommodate. So if I wanted to have, you know, hugs from him or if I wanted to do something with him, I would say, let's do something. If I said, I just need time to myself, he would yeah, he'd accommodate that. So yeah, it's a thing. It was, it was massive, just my side of things, just to communicate that things with him though. Yeah, because he just doesn't, didn't understand. No. He, and he no. wouldn't. You don't understand unless you in that situation. Yeah, exactly right. So, so it's best to just listen to the yeah, um, just communicate. wreck that you probably were at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, understandably. Seven years on, what do you do now um, to remember it? Um, so... I know the answer. To, I know some of the answers to this one, so I can help you out here. <laughs> My brain is pretty frazzled at the moment. Um, what I do to remember him. Um, so on the day of his passing, we always go up to his cemetery and we always, that's always something we do um, on any special occasion is we make sure we go up and. His birthday, Father's Day. Yeah, yeah all those passing. big events. We always go up and see him. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas mornings. We always go up there Christmas morning. Um, I want to make sure that I don't just make it those days. So I was, and now living so close to him, you know, I can actually. We drive past. Yeah. 
<laughs> a lot. Three times a week. <laughs> yeah, so I want to actually go see him more than actually than those particular days, though, because I think that's important. Um, what else do I do, Shane? <laughs> Eat licorice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm massive on strawberry licorice, and I got that from my dad. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I fell into a bad trap that whenever, like, was on car trips, family car trips would always, like, dad would always have lollies. And as I said earlier, dad was a massive um, sweet tooth and he would love his lollies. And so, unfortunately, I've got that kind of from dad because car trips would have lollies. Whenever we'd go up to the Dandenongs, dad would always take me to the lolly shop. And so all these special moments I've had with dad, there was always lollies involved. And so now when I want to remember moments with my dad and those special moments, I go by lollies. And when you get emotional about anything, you go to lollies and yeah. it's a drawback to, Dad, I need you. Yeah, 100% of it is. Dad, please come and help me. Yeah. And that's the attachment yeah. to that. And, yeah. and that's completely normal. Yeah. Uh, whatever the memory of happy memories are or the opposite, shocking memories are, is what you'll get drawn to. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did. I remember when I was coaching you and I eventually found out later you were <laughs> eating licorice in a car behind me back. Um, but it, but it was, and it, like you're, you weren't embarrassed to tell me. It was the fact that you didn't know why you were doing it. No. And I didn't, we didn't figure that out until four early this, yeah, about four months ago of why I would continuously want to eat lollies all the time. I knew why. I'm smart. <laughs> um, no, no, but I, I did. I knew, I knew why. It was one of those things where I knew when you're upset and you, you went to lollies or car trips and stuff like that. And we've all got those connections to our parents. Yeah. Mine is and mine's I watch Neighbours. I remember watching Neighbours when I was four or five years old with my mum. So, and dad was there. Dad always bagged it out, but we watched it as a family. So, I watch Neighbours. I can't get away from it. And it's... <laughs> I don't like it half the time, <laughs> but it's a something that draws me yeah, back it's to, that my, connection. to my mum. Yeah. I love watching the tennis at night at the Oz Open because that brings me back to my grandma who's still with us, but that brings me back to that, playing bingo, um, eating lollies out of the lolly jar. What do I do when I go to my grandma's <laughs> You house? always go to the lolly jar. First, so my grandma, we always had the lolly jars. <laughs> And it was the ones where you put the money in and you had coins that spin around. <laughs> but now it's just lollies and tins there. So the first thing I do when we go to my grandparents is I go there. And so I try and limit my handful so I have to walk back <laughs> and forth. But yeah. it's what we do. We yeah, it is. Yeah. The, that was a happy memory for me. So and I know when my grandma passes, tell you what I'll be doing at a funeral when they're out of time. I'll be eating a lot of lollies. Mm. Um, yeah. But I'll need to obviously manage that. <laughs> um, how, how, I guess, did your mum cope with it all? And, um, and how does she cope with it now? If we can talk about that without stepping over too many boundaries. Yeah, no, that's fine. I know um, mum is really open about it. It's it is. It's it's hard for her. Like, um, I found it hard because watching her, because she was at home by herself, um, and that's what I always really struggled was with to see mum by herself and that she didn't have dad anymore. Um, so she couldn't go out and do those particular things. And one thing that mum really struggled with was like her and dad used to, excuse me, go on overseas trips together. And she was just like, well, I can't do that anymore. I can't. That's what I used to do with Kev. And it was only until probably about oh, four years ago that we encouraged her to go to Canada with her cousin. Um, because we said, you know, dad will want you to still travel. Like that's oh, yeah. something that you guys did together. Um, you know, you can't stop traveling because you don't have dad anymore. He wouldn't want her to miss out. No. Um, Especially knowing that they are in a position, she's in a position to do it. To do it, yeah. Every year said, yeah. if she wants to. <laughs> because he set that up. Oh, yeah. Shit, they both set that up. But he set that up for her. Yeah. And he would hate. I know he would. I yeah. haven't met him, but I know that. Knowing you and her, I know he would hate for her not to do it. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that was really hard for mum was to try and get over that. And she found that first trip really hard um, at times. Um, my cousin won't be, her cousin won't be listening, but she's found him annoyed at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But, you know, she loved the trip. She loved going to Canada. And, look, there were sad moments there because she didn't get to spend those special times with yeah. Dad. Um, currently, she's away at the moment over in England with um, three other girlfriends. And, you know, I've, we've spoken to her already and she sounds like she's having an absolute ball. She's been looking forward to, to So year. long, yeah. yeah. It's like, been booked for so long. Every time they have a catch-up, we hear about <laughs> all about the catch-up. We're like, nothing's actually changed. You just yeah. wanted to talk about it going yeah. away. But, yeah. yeah, like, it's awesome to see her leave the business, which is extremely hard for Yeah, her. yeah. I think that was really hard for mum is, like, going back into the family business where dad was so involved and they worked together every day and dad wasn't there anymore yeah. with mum. And so um, I know work was really hard for mum, but I know, obviously, the other people at work were really good and, obviously, my brother being in the business as well made things, you know, he helped out heaps as well. But, um, like, those things were particularly tough um i do find it tired times still hard watch you know knowing that mum is at home by herself yeah um which is why you were very happy to go back yeah like when, when yeah. we went move move back in there yeah and i th- you know as um as much as that helped us financially um she definitely liked having the company around um, and the three dogs. And the three dogs. <laughs> yeah, so she liked having them around, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, she, she enjoys having company around, and that's why I think um, I think she – I hate seeing that. Is her it's all right. She'll be back from Europe, England, and can, <laughs> she'll be mowing the lawns here. She'll be doing the gardening here, cleaning everything up. Yeah. No drama. She'll, she'll – two days a week here, she'll be fine. <laughs> and I won't be here. Even better. <laughs> For her, obviously. <laughs> no. For her. Oh. For her, because I'm not in her way. Yeah, okay. He t- now, dug himself out of that hole. If you're listening out there, she loves helping out, Alicia. Yeah. She used to always come to your house and do the gardening and yeah. mowing the lawns and cleaning, and you can't tell her not to do it. No. She'll do it anyway. She literally, I remember there so many times at my other house, um, every Friday afternoon, I'd come home on Tuesday afternoons, but it's mainly Fridays, that was the day. I'd come home from teaching and she'd be in the garden every single Friday afternoon. And, knees. and it doesn't matter if it was raining, whatever the weather, she was out there. Throwing the dog balls oh, on the dog. She was entertaining the dogs and like yeah, my garden was pristine and my inside my house, she goes, Is there anything else you want me to do? I'm like Yes. <laughs> I feel bad, but yes, can you do this? But she does. She uh, loves. Yeah. That, and that's, that's just speaking. I didn't know that about your dad. I didn't know your dad did that with the garden as well. Mm-hmm. So they both do it. And that's yeah. probably something that she does as well. Yeah. Because that's what she's seen him do. Yeah. I want to give back to my children yeah. in, in this in this way. Um, is there any advice that you would give to someone going through cancer and then post-cancer? Or, or to you, is it? Just deal with it in your own way. Yeah. And, and allow allow the emotion to happen. Yeah, I swear, yeah. I I think you're right in that last comment you made. Um there's no right way, there's no wrong way about doing it. As Everyone, long as you don't do it in the illegal. <laughs> yeah. Like just obviously. Yeah. Because some people do. Some yeah. people like I know I've heard of people they'll get a hundred thousand dollar payout because someone dies and they'll just get into drugs and all of a sudden hundred thousand yeah. dollars is gone. Like um, I suppose, yeah, deal with it in, you know, in the most sensible way possible. Um, but for me, I was just like all about being around family and being around loved ones at that particular time. Um, and accepting people to help at that time. Like I know so many people at that time from my work, um, and just friends and want to come over and cook food for us and to make sure there was food in the freezer for us for when it actually happened. Um, and I know a number of people will be like, no, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. But I think at that time, that time, that's the last thing you want to be doing is going to the shops or cooking food. So let it happen. Just let it happen. Let people help you. And if you don't want to be around when they're at the house, just go for yeah. a walk or whatever. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, so many people are willing to help you at that particular time. And people would sometimes will just be like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, I'll definitely just let people help you because don't try to be that strong person um because eventually you crack yeah you do you do eventually crack whatever even if it's you know not even you know six months down the track at some point you will crack and it's a lot better if you've had a lot of help through yeah that period of time. um because eventually that that help stops doesn't it it does and yeah that, that, uh, everyone has 
their own lives, yep. they have their own struggles, all of that, and that's completely normal. No hard feelings against any of those no. people. It does. It yep. stops. It does stop. And all of a sudden, you, you're left alone and you've got to make your own food and all that again. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm trying to emphasize the point is soak it up while you can. Yeah. Because it does It yeah, does go. It does, yeah. So if, if people do want to help, let them help. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you need to be there all the time. Yeah. No, it just makes life easier at that particular time. Like, I remember, you know, I barely wanted to eat any food. Like, nothing was – I didn't want to do anything. Um, but then when there was some, you know, some people just said, what do you want us to make? We'll make whatever you want us to make. Yeah. Um, because they just wanted to help and obviously they knew, you know, you needed to get food into us. Yeah. So. And then I guess there's nothing worse than going through a tragedy, a death, and then six months later – You've completely fucked your life up. Yeah. You've stopped eating or you've eaten a lot of shit. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at me. Yeah. I've, um, I've got all these issues I need to fix. And it's like, I'm dealing with my dad's death, but I'm also dealing with all my own issues. So yeah. allow that both people to help because that's going to help you. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is say six months down the track and you have fucked everything up. You, the last thing you want to do is go, I did this because of my my dad. Like yeah. you don't want to blame that yeah. on your, your you know on on your dad. So you, yes, obviously grieve and all that, but you need to make sure you do look after yourself. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, you don't want to be blaming you know your dead your death one the the dead one. Yeah. For what's happened. Yeah. Because so. then there's a re- resentment around. Yeah. The yeah. the grievance. Yeah. Which is not a great thing to no. move forward with. Um. How do you remember your dad? Um, in five words, which I'll be honest, that was the worst thing I've ever said. Not possible for Alicia to describe anything in five words. Just describe your dad. Um, okay. He was a happy man. Happy. We'll call him happy. Stubborn. Um, loving family man. Um, role model and just caring. Would he like me? Yeah, I think he would because you're... You're a relaxed and relaxed larrikin person. Like you're not, you're not like a serious business person. Oh yeah. So, and the fact that now you, like you are being, you've been a labourer as well. Like <laughs> I was a pool tiler. Oh, you're a pool tiler as well. You would have so much in common with yeah, Dad. Oh my god, I the conversations. Yeah, who knows? But um, yeah, I think no, I think you guys definitely would have got along because you are someone who's very relaxed, and Dad was someone who loved to have a laugh. So, oh, I'm funny man. <laughs> so we laugh lots. Yeah, so you definitely would have. Yeah, yeah. What's this is gonna be a hard question? What's what's the hardest thing with your future knowing he's not here? I know the answer. I knew you were gonna say. <laughs> I know the answer to this one. Oh, I knew he was gonna ask you this. I was just waiting until it was gonna happen. Um, obviously, you know, with Shane and I planning to get married next year. Um, that's going to be hard knowing that dad's not going to be there. You know how much I broke down after the engagement party. Um, yeah. And I think why, I think why I broke down so much is because dad had never got to meet you. Um, and I wanted to meet the guy that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I, and I said, I knew, I know you two would have got along really well. And the fact that you never got to meet him is really hard. Um, and knowing that he's, you know, I know he would absolutely love the wedding that we've got planned um, because he's not someone who loves big events. Um, so you guys have got that in common as well, that he was just all about pleasing other people and having a party with everyone. That's all he would, you know. And cheap beer. Yeah. <laughs> and being on Actually, the beach. He would have paid. So it wouldn't have been cheap for him at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just being on the beach with friends and family. So that's going to be really hard because I know, like, that wedding that we've got planned is absolutely ideal. He would have absolutely loved it. Um, so that's something that's going to be really hard. And I suppose then when we do have kids, that's going to be something extremely hard as well. How do you remember him going forward through those hard times and the other times? Because, yeah, it's get, oh, obviously it's going to be emotional. It's going to be hard. And I know you're going to cry as you walk down the aisle and um, you'll have your moments after. And um, you'll, well, I guess we'll have those moments together when there's kids and stuff as well. I mean, how do you remember him and how do you get through those times? Um, well, as I said really early on in the podcast is that, 
I think I need to, because I know each year I, I struggle with dad's anniversary and um, I made a comment um, at our local footy club when we had a mental health organisation come out and I said that each year I find it's getting harder and harder and I think, and I remember you have said this to me in the past, is that try and remember around those particular times, don't remember those sad times. They're deaf. Yeah, try and don't remember it that particular week. Try and, you know, start focusing on those positive things that you had, those positive moments, those happy moments that you love speaking, that I love speaking about my dad. Yeah, and um, even though it gets you emotional. It, yeah. It makes you smile. It makes it you does. happy. It does, yeah. It makes you walk away and be like, well, that's, that was my dad. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't that week of hell, which, yeah. it, which it was. It was a week of hell. Mm. Um, I think that's important for everyone to do. I don't know. Yeah. Look, I'm in the worst place to say it because I haven't lost anyone. But I think that's that's really important to do is to remember the good. Well, I, can, I guess I lost my grandpa when I was five or six, um, which was young, but I still now just remember the good time. Yeah. The grump, he was grumpy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so he played pool on his pool table at, at the house. So I, we rem- I remember those times. Yeah. Um, rather than um, the funeral. And yeah. It's the, hard. The hard stuff. Yeah. And it's not because I don't want to remember those things. It's because I want to remember the good in the good that are good that I saw rather than the bad moments. Yeah. Because the bad moments will always be there. It's not. It's not. They're never going to leave. It's more of like, hang on a minute. Let's keep remembering the good. And I think when we talk about anyone that's passed away. Um, let's actually talk to people about them. Mm. Let's not let's not sweep it under the carpet. That and and I, I never don't talk about your dad. I don't never hide anything. No, you don't. I, it, I might upset you sometimes, but I prefer to talk about him. Yeah, I prefer to know about him. I prefer our kids when they see that there's six photos of him on the fridge, three photos of your nephew, <laughs> uh, six photos of your mum, and only one or two of me. I mean, I want to. They're probably going to ask why is Shane not up there? Why is Dad not up there? I can explain why Shane's not up there. Yeah. Um, I'm everywhere else. Um, no, but they're going to ask who, who's that? Yeah. And I, I hope they already hear that in conversation with us. Yeah. When we're watching Collingwood Melbourne, be like, oh, geez, your dad would love that player. And oh, geez, I hate Alex Neilbull and <laughs> oh, it's your mum. Um, Probably shouldn't say that, but that's, that's the truth. She's not a fan of him. Um, hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> don't think he would. Don't think, that, don't think I'm that big yet. Um, and I guess that's it. Another way you remember him is Melbourne. And yes, I guess if we have a girl, then they can go for Melbourne. So, yeah, yeah, we already agreed to that. Hopefully. No, you agreed to that. I didn't agree to that until then. Might have to cut that part out. Do you reckon cut that part out? No, no. Leave, um, leave that in there. But I think, um, sorry, I just wanted to put something in there. I think there was times that um, I, when it came like to say anniversaries or say birthdays or something of dad, I felt like there was some times that I felt like I had had to be sad, I had to cry. Um, And so if I wasn't crying, like it wasn't me being upset that he wasn't gone. Yeah. There's been times I think yeah, so you that's feel, felt guilty. Yeah, I felt for not crying. Yeah, yeah, and so then it's kind of like, oh shit! Now I've got to, th- I've got to think of bad things. Yeah, I've got to. I should you be upset. Make myself cry. Yeah, I've got to, I should be emotional right now. Yeah, which you don't have to be. No, you don't. And I think that plays on my mind though sometimes. That's why. That's the way we're brought up. Yeah, you have to be sad for death. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, when it's like no, let's you talk can about start it. to be happy at times. Yeah, they wouldn't. Want you to be like this? No. I always, I, I guess we go through dogs and cats and pets through our whole life because they just don't last as long. And you always speak to people and you're like, they wouldn't want the dogs kept you happy for 15 years. They don't want you to now be a miserable wreck. Yeah. They want you to keep flourishing through life. And your dad would be the exactly yeah. the same. We've spoken about that many times. Like, your dad would be proud of what you've gone through in the last two years and how you've faced it and um, got through it all when there was times you could have easily given up mm. and you know he probably would have probably would have got pretty angry <laughs> to the people <laughs> over that period of time oh my god he probably would have uh, held think, his tongue back I think he would have got the baseball bat out and hunted the guy down I think <laughs> yeah um, but yeah 
But even the people that sort of drifted at you, yeah, I think he, he might have found a way just to give him a phone call. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> or something because he's very, he's very protective. I mean, and was like, you know, I had my dad wrapped around my little finger, so anything I say for dad to do, he would do. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add today to this? Um, I'm pretty. I think we've pretty covered it all. Like. Yeah, I don't... The most important thing is he would have liked me, really. <laughs> but he wouldn't. But the fact, yeah, that your crazy hair at the moment and the facial hair. Yeah, really, the mo, the mo back. Yeah. He would have loved it. He would, like, he had a mo. He hated his mo going. Like, when we shaved off that, he hated that. Yeah, I might feel the mo back. I need a shave. Um, well... Thanks, Alicia, for talking about something that was extremely hard. We actually cancelled it three times because of uh, life getting in the way. Um, and then it was probably not the greatest weekend to do it in the end anyway. So um, Alicia's PT mentor took his own life last Monday and we found it on a Friday. So uh, it's been a very tough three or four days um, and we have the funeral tomorrow. So um, tomorrow, which will, will be passed by the time this is uh, released. Um, but yeah, it's been a mm. probably not an ideal time. <laughs> no. I spoke to Ryan today and he's like, Why the fuck would you do it tonight? I'm like, Well, it's probably best that we just get this all over and done with. Yeah, so and like emotions were already going to be high as it is, so may as well just get all the emotions all out, out at once. Yep. And then you probably sleep really well tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening uh, to the podcast. Um, if there is anything you know you want to speak to Alicia about send me an email the email will come up in the outro um, and make sure if anything triggers um, you that you do seek help um, I guess the final message from me um, which I know Alicia will echo is males females whoever you are if you feel like something's not right with your physical or mental health go get it checked as soon as possible um, even though pancreatic cancer doesn't have the best survival rate um, if you get on top of a lot of these illnesses now and let's say it was diabetes that your dad was diagnosed with um, there you can lengthen your life expectancy and I think the biggest message here from Alicia to others and she's nodding her head as I'm saying this so I'm not <laughs> speaking out of turn is that um Kids would love to have an extra three, four, five, ten, twenty years with their parents, um, and to see their grandkids grow up and all of that there. So, um, please go get looked at, get yourself looked after, whether you, it's your physical or mental health. Um, it's really, really important to look after number one. Um, people will say they always put their kids first. Um, and your dad did that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. let's say he didn't get the cancer and had diabetes. Unfortunately, putting the kids first suffer his health suffered yeah um and you probably feel guilty a little bit yeah i yeah in some way i do because you, you i wish, wish he looked after wish himself. he looked after himself um yeah which so and, and that's what i've always said about my mum is that i wish she would stop and i know she won't stop worrying about us and i know i'll always worry about my kids but i think i would have i would prefer my mum put herself first more often it actually angers me that she doesn't um and i know you would now rather your dad looked after himself yeah. a lot better because you do get those extra years. Yeah, so definitely. make sure you get checked out and look after yourself because there's a whole bunch of family and friends that, that want you to live those extra five or ten years healthily. Um, I don't even know if that's a word, <laughs> um, but I just made it up. Put it in the dictionary. I'll see it in the dictionary in the next couple of years and I'll say I made it up um, and get checked out. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com dot A-U.